The We Are Wakefield podcast, produced by Stada Media, creating content to wow your audience. Welcome to the We Are Wakefield podcast. I'm Claire Southerly, Managing Director of We Are Wakefield, and this is episode six. Today we're joined by Tony Simmons, Director of RV2 Power Limited, and Peter Molyneux, State Director of Nostal Estate. We talk history, art, business, and mental well-being, and how these two very different businesses have similar pathways and journeys. Welcome to episode six of the We Are Wakefield podcast. We're here at Starda Media, and today I'm joined by uh, Peter Molyneux, Estate Director at Nostal Estate, and Tony Simmons, Director of RV2 Power. So welcome to Starda Media. Thank you. Thank you. So I just want to, as we do on on the We Are Wakefield podcast, talk about you as individuals, talk about the businesses, and we'll definitely get to how you've worked together because that there's a collaboration that's happened there. Um, so I'll come to you first, Peter. So just tell us who is Peter Molyneux? Okay, so my background is agriculture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, grew up in a chocolate box village in Wiltshire on the edge of Salisbury Plain and um, worked on a local farm and uh, got the bug and really enjoyed uh, all aspects of farming. I then uh, went through A-levels and off to Agricultural College and uh, then came back from college, uh, did a um, a gap year around the world, which is wow. fairly standard for agricultural students. Is it? Okay. A um, bit of farming experience in Australia. Ah. And uh, I then uh, took a job uh, fairly near to where I grew up on a, uh, on a farm and um, realised uh, fairly soon on that uh, I wasn't making good use of my qualifications and then left to uh, to join an agricultural consultancy group. And you go on a training course and uh, they basically give you, uh, allocate you an area when a job becomes available. And uh, my uh, placement was the Lake District in Cumbria. Oh, how lovely. And I'd never been that far north before. <laughs> and it's it looked quite good on, uh, you know, on the... On, on the TV, and, yeah. and uh, I thought, yeah, I'll um, go go to the Lake District, and it was absolutely amazing, and uh, worked with some fantastic farmers helping their businesses, uh, and it was um, all aspects of finance and also um, looking after uh, cows, cow, cow nutrition, cow fertility, uh, and I uh, tended to sort of lean into the finance side of things more and uh, did a lot of work for the banks um, and after uh, a few years uh, HSBC uh, tapped me on the shoulder and I um, moved to HSBC based in Carlisle and uh, uh, worked as an agricultural bank manager again in Cumbria which, which was absolutely fantastic you know, having a um, a different view every uh, lunchtime from from the car in between appointments. Mm. And See, I didn't realise there was such a thing as an agricultural bank manager. Yep, yeah. So, right. um, uh, I mean, this this was 
25 years ago, all of the main banks had uh, specialist agricultural bank managers in one form or another, but H- HSBC Midland were particularly good. Mm. And uh, they put uh, in each office, they will put an agricultural uh, person with a bank, um, a career bank manager, and you both learn skills off each other. And uh, I had this, you know, marvelous time in uh, in Cumbria helping uh, farmers with their with their finances, and I then uh, got a promotion to York, and uh, moved to, um, to to York. Did that job for seven years, and then uh, when things changed within the bank, I took the opportunity to to step out and uh, join an accountancy firm uh, so I became a partner of, uh, of a accountancy firm Armstrong Watson again just working with agricultural businesses and landed estates and that's where I met my uh, current boss Lord St Oswald uh, and uh, I worked with him for seven years as his accountant and then uh, we had a conversation and here I am here you are, yes. And I've got to say that um, between yourself and Lord St. Oswald, you're most definitely the best landlords I've ever had. Oh, thank you, Claire. Because obviously we're based at Nostal and I absolutely adore the place. It's amazing. Um, so what a journey then. So would you ever have imagined in that chocolate box cottage in Wiltshire that you would end up in working in the north of England, really, and in what you're doing now? Um, no, and I mean, agriculture's been all the way through my career. Yeah. So every every role has, has had a strong agricultural theme. And the business uh, at Nostal is, you know, we, we farm uh, many thousands of acres and it's, it's nice to, to still be involved in an agricultural business. Yeah. And um, along the way, I met my wife in uh, in Cumbria, and uh, she was uh, born in Skipton, so uh, a northern lass. And, right. Yeah, and uh, all of our three children are, uh, were two were born in Cumbria, and yeah. one was born in Yorkshire. So oh, amazing. I'm, uh, I'm firmly in the north. So even an adopted northerner now? Yes. I yes. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll have you. Thank yeah. You. Um, so moving on from that, then. So well, let's let's. Come over to Tony. Morning. And we'll good morning. And we'll talk a little bit about you and your journey. So tell us who's Tony Simmons and how did you get to where you are now? Um I'm Wakefield born and bred. Grew up in the College Grove area of Wakefield. Uh, and barring a little stint in Earls Eaton, I've been in Wakefield all my life. I um nothing quite so planned as Peter's life, I don't think. I did uh, went up to Newcastle uh, University to do a politics degree and lasted a year, didn't enjoy it, came back, went to Leeds University and did a law degree, didn't particularly enjoy that either, knew after two days of being on the course that I wasn't going to have a career. Really, that soon? Law. Yeah, because everybody, when we were um, signing up to do the different courses, everybody was talking about who, they were, where they were going to work, where they were going to do their articles, which law college they were going to go to, what they were going to um, specify, you know, where they were going to, what they were going to focus on, whereas I'd never even given that any consideration. Mm. Just quite interested in the law. 
So I realised it was probably going to be way too competitive for me. Uh, finished the degree and uh, went to work at Fieldhead Hospital, just oh. uh, doing some administrative work. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed that. Last That lasted for six months. And on the, uh, through the same agency that I'd been uh, used for that, I went to Asda and worked in their property department. They had a backlog of uh, invoicing that they needed clearing and I was just in there as administrator. I ended up staying at Asda for five years as a cost manager and then a project manager. Was made redundant from there in 2005. I would have made me redundant on reflection. It was kind of the wake up that I needed. then went to a company called Stace, more project management from there, seconded into Tesco, doing cafe rollouts and other sort of new store and refit work. Mm-hmm. Moved to Tesco, uh, uh, I was a store development manager, left there in 2011 to become the head of property for Pets at Home. From Pets at Home, uh, that lasted for five or six years. Pets at Home sort of got me down a little bit. I sort of struggled a little bit with my mental health at Pets at Home. So I left there and decided to set up business on my own as just as a project manager and did that for about three or four years. Um, then uh, Craig, who is Craig Vickers, one of the Vickers brothers, Dean Vickers established uh, RV2 Power. Me and Craig set up a company in 2018, just doing electrical contracting and, and, and fit out work, which went reasonably well until COVID hit. And then it was hard to find any new uh, clients. The people were being faithful, weren't they, at that point? Mm-hmm. Anybody who was doing work was using the clients, that the, the contractors that they've been working with for years. Yeah. So that was a bit of a struggle. But at the same time, uh, Dean was picking up more and more work. He was working for himself and sort of said, I need to have some people to help me out to um, to help grow the business, and so we we both joined, and uh, and here we are now with a business that's doing really well. I'm really pleased to be a part of it. It's a great business, and it, and as far as I can see, it's got a great future as well. You know, absolutely. Um, obviously, the sustainability thing is something we'll come back to later in this conversation. I just think the more I do these podcasts and the more I get to know people's journeys and people's backgrounds, it's really interesting that not everyone has that journey mapped mm, oh, from no, an no. early age. Yeah. And I think we spoke about this in in uh, particularly with um, David Masters from OE Electrics and Johnny Parkinson from Elise in, in episode four, where they set out to do one thing and have ended up doing something completely different. And that's obviously the case for you in that you you were making decisions as a young adult that you couldn't really foresee were going to be there for the rest yeah. of your life and decisions that you had to stick to which is interesting I think I yeah I I, I think I would have stayed at Asda forever because I, and even now at 48 I don't really know what I want to do right, you know, okay. I, I enjoy my job yeah. it, but nothing it's not something that I, passionately drives me to you know get up every day right I, I never really have found that in, in my yeah. life uh, other than the art thing but um other than which we will talk about in a absolutely. second yes but um yeah so it's it's not something i've so where i am now is not somewhere that i've not changed my path in particular because i never really plowed a path i just did what i thought was necessary or what I thought I should do, I thought I should go to university. Yeah. On reflection, I think I would have been better not going to university mm. uh, and start trying to do something on my own. Yeah. 
because the the people who I uh, went to college with, my friends who did that, probably had a, a more enjoyable working life mm. and also had a bit more control over the working life. Mm. Um, that said, I am absolutely abysmal with my hands and doing anything. <laughs> so practical. Doing, yeah, anything practical. Yeah. Um, I'm banned from doing at home. So uh, I've perhaps acad- academic things were probably really what I needed to be. Yeah. So while you've not found your passion from a career, and like you say, you've kind of just sort of wandered through, if you like, finding the next opportunities and, and doing what you felt you should do, your passion has perhaps been found in hobbies yeah i think so yeah yeah so tell us about the art thing (laughs) um unfortunately for me i'm a sheffield wednesday supporter and (laughs) my dad started taking us there when we were i was about nine ten years old and every time we went to a home game the journey was down the m1 and down the m1 on every motorway bridge there was graffiti by an artist as there is now as there is everywhere yeah by a, an artist called fister and he um i just remember seeing it for, for many many years and then when i was about 18 19 a lot of my friends are big into skateboarding and we helped to build a skate park in wakefield just behind chantry bridge oh. called rehab which was a big indoor skate park where people came from all over europe i think the beastie boys came one morning and and, and skated there. It was is it a, still there? No, right, it's long okay. gone. Uh, the units are, have been knocked down, I think. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, that, whilst we were building a skate park, there were one or two guys there that were into graffiti, and then a couple of nights we, we basically painted the entire building and got graffiti artists from all the local area, perhaps not all over the country, because it's probably predated the internet and things like that. Uh, and that kind of reignited my interest. Uh, and I guess Banksy is the, the one that everybody knows. And, yeah. Uh, his War and Peace book was the thing that got me interested. When I was at, uh, when I was made redundant from Asda, I, I got a, a little severance package and um, I'd met Kirsty, my wife, uh, by this time and I'd just started looking at bits of art online, mm-hmm. found a painting that I liked and said, asked Kirsty if she minded me spending money on it and yeah. she said no go for it and that was it that's the start of my art buying that's 2008 and do you keep all the art you buy or do you trade in the art what? the vast majority I keep I see right. it as a pension I don't I'm not really a great faith in traditional pensions uh-huh. um, so I've always tried to I buy what I love rather than buying something that I think will make money and that's are they, are well. they educated purchases, though? I, I, I guess 15 years down the line, a little bit more yeah. so. But I'd still say trust your gut right. in, in the purchase. I think I've done better when I've gone with something I love rather than because I do know what could make you money in yeah. things that you buy. But I tend not to do very well with that. So is it modern art or traditional? Uh, I, I got anything really now. I started with graffiti yeah. and uh, I could collect quite a bit of art from Asia these days and then a lot of contemporary art as well. So, yeah, anything really. If I like it, I'll buy it, unfortunately for Kirsty. <laughs> so she tolerates it. She tolerates it. Yeah. She, I don't doubt that I have put art before uh, other things in the past. But when we've had to, it's a couple of times uh, when we moved house and we didn't have the money to do the house up, I sold some art to do yeah. that. And then when COVID hit and I didn't have any income at all, we didn't have, didn't have an income for 
pretty much two years. I sold some paintings that I didn't particularly want to sell, but they brought money in to keep us tied over for, for two years. So, yeah. Um, so they've been good investments that mm. have paid you back in life when you've needed it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, ultimately. I don't have, I, I would say net, I don't have anything invested in art. And I've right. got a, a, a nice portfolio. I think people, if they looked at it, might not say it was a nice portfolio because a lot of the art I've got is pretty strange. But uh, right. um, I think it's, it's got a decent hope, a residual value anyway. So. so you seem to have this really creative side to you that you've probably not explored through vocationally. Mm, that's right. Um, and as we're recording this, we're just off the back of Glastonbury, which I know... You went to, so how many times have you been to Glastonbury? Five. Okay. Yeah, three times in the 90s and then in the sort of post-2000, tried to get tickets again, hadn't really been very successful, but twice in the last five years we've had tickets. So, yeah, it's a great place. Do you think you're a bit of a hippie? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. I, I'm not a great social person and I somehow find comfort in 200,000 people that... I'm not talking to, but they're all come together for something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just that that kind of vibe that you get in in that environment. And I mean, talking about passion. So again, when we're recording this, we've also just come off the back of the Great Yorkshire Show, Peter, which is your absolute passion. And you talk about it so with such verve, you know. So tell us about the Great Yorkshire Show and your involvement there. Well, it it was... was, uh, just finished last week. Mm-hmm. It was very good that uh, you were able to uh, to come and see the show for, on, the, first uh, time. for the first time. Yes, on because the as Glastonbury is definitely a bucket list thing for me, and Wimbledon. I'll just throw that in there. Not done either of them yet. I wholly intend to at some point. The Great Yorkshire Show was something else that I'd not oh, ticked off the list. It's, and it's a fantastic yeah, week. and the uh, the organisation, the Yorkshire Agricultural Society, Society is something that I'm really passionate about and uh, support wherever I can. Uh, so the uh, the Yorkshire show, 140,000 people uh, through the gates over four days, and uh, the uh, society tried to put on a really good uh, show for the visitors. And uh, the, the, the agricultural theme is really important. So it's about, you know, educating everybody with um, the the latest ideas and technology in in agriculture, mm-hmm. plus uh, giving a fantastic demonstration of uh, livestock, yeah. uh, including uh, you know the cattle lines, and uh, the sheep, the pigs, the goats. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a very big uh, horse section, so uh, competitors uh, come from uh, all over the UK uh, to uh, to compete. And um, th- yeah, there's there's all sorts of classes ob- over the four days, uh, so yeah, it it is a um, it is a, a an absolutely amazing week. The show, well, the the, soci- the society is actually a um, an organisation that uh, operates over the the, the whole year. Mm-hmm. So uh, we. Um, we we have uh, the the fodder um, farm shop which supports uh, local producers. Uh, there's a um, major exhibition centre, so all the way through the year there are um, activities and events that um, generate revenue for the society. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the pavilions, which, which is 
their uh, weddings and hospitality venue. Uh, you can bring your caravan to the caravan park. Right. So, so it's yeah. a tourist spot as well. Yeah, it is. Mm. It is a you know really just on the edge of Harrogate. It, yeah. It's um yeah it's a very vibrant society, and the the, the money the the profits that are generated from the show and the other activities are all ploughed back into supporting uh, uh, agriculture and supporting uh, Yorkshire uh, farming businesses. Which is a massive industry, isn't it? Sorry, Tony, no, were so, you going so to speak? So I went yet? to Fully Charged Live there. Yeah, well, that, 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 so that was one of the events. And that raises money for the society in itself. So everything that happens there goes yeah. back into agriculture, ultimately. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, the rural economy, yes. Haven't been since... Oh, it's, well, it's probably about 35 years since I last went to the Yorkshire show. Oh, well, you yeah. must go, Tony. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I was absolutely thrilled to bits to be there. Yeah. It's like I said, a bit of a bucket list thing. And I've always thought, oh, will it be a hassle to get, you know, when you think about things, is it going to be a hassle to get there? Is it going to be, you know, mm. a struggle to park? Is it is it going to be a bit of a faff? But it actually wasn't. It was great. I, the weather wasn't amazing. The weather did let me down, but it didn't stop me enjoying what was there. It was a fantastic experience. Yeah, and it's just, thank you. And it's, it's just going over to a four-day um, show rather than a three-day show, that's actually um, been quite helpful because w- we can, you know, get the people there that want to go to the show, but it's less crowded than it was yes. when it was a three-day show. Mm-hmm. And the trade stands are generally happier because, you know, more people can, can um, uh, re- you know, review what they've got to offer uh, so yeah, I think, and the traffic as well. Mm. Um, traffic congestion was a huge issue when it was a, a, th- a three-day show, and you know, hopefully, spreading the numbers over four days has, has been helpful as well. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, COVID was an interesting time for for that business, and uh, we, you know, we've gone from a roll up on the day and and pay pay cash to you know, it's 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 ticket only, and um, you know that's uh, both um, positive and also you know brings challenges for the people that you know just want to uh, come on the day. Mm-hmm. Mm. So um, you know a lot of farmers uh, wake up and decide that day whether they can afford time off to go to the show. I see. So um, you know we have to make sure that we don't um, uh, exclude uh, that those uh, people that decide on the day. So. Uh, they they've launched a, a farmer ticket, which is um, a bit more flexible than mm. the, uh, the the general public ticket. It's all about adapting with any business model, isn't it? And we've found through COVID again a lot of the the conversations I've had on this podcast alone, and the conversations that I have with businesses on a daily basis is is that how they had to change things during the pandemic, but how they've kept some of those practices in place and it's ended up benefiting the business. Um, I mean, we talk about your journey, Tony, how you've kind of weaved your way to to RV2 Power, where you are now. So tell us a little bit about the business, what you do for someone who's never heard of the business. Tell us the background and what what you do there. Yeah, we're we're an electrical contractor with a heavy bias in the renewable energy and the vast majority of that is electric vehicle charging and mainly on a commercial scale rather than domestic. And then with a little bit of uh, solar and, and battery storage as well. And we're looking to get into 
air source heat pump, ground source heat pump. So we're trying to expand the renewable offer uh, yes. of the company. Established, um, I think Dean set the company up in 2008 as Dean Vickers Limited, just as a as a commercial electrical contractor. I think he, I think it's fair to say he fell into it. Um, he was. Somebody who was working for a rang him and asked him if he could come and do a few days' work, and they were working on an electric vehicle charger installation for for their client. He ended up staying there for a few weeks, uh, and and then ultimately running that contract for that contractor, and that contractor was Tesla, and then Tesla came to him and said, um, "Letting that contractor go, but we'd like you to set up on your own and oh. and do it yourself," which he did. Um, in the, I would say Tesla have probably installed about twelve hundred stalls in the nine years that Dean's been working uh, for them, and in that time, I would say we're, we're up to about seventy five percent of all Tesla's stalls have been installed by really? RV two power or Dean Vickers Limited. Yeah, um, yeah, and, the, and it's been the last couple of years we've picked up uh, another couple of clients so uh, on the motorway service stations. So it's growing really, really well. I think um, probably hard to keep up with the industry a little bit at the moment. It's an industry that's grown at a phenomenal speed, but hasn't got the the people coming into the back to to, to support that. Mm. So I mean, we've got we've we have only got two apprentices now because Oscar's out of his time, but trying to backfill with the apprentices and get the industry to have the experience that it, it really needs because people are just moving up levels because the industry is expanding yeah but the experience and knowledge isn't actually probably there so would you say that's one of the biggest challenges of the Absolutely. industry then is yeah. is getting that that succession going with with staff and, and recruitment yeah absolutely do you and work with it, the colleges? Uh, yes, we do. Um, it's it's also hard, a bit of a challenge for us taking on apprentices because um, whilst we do, uh, it's probably 10% of our business is commercial electrical work. We don't really do domestic electrical work. And, and if, we, if we take an apprentice on, we've got to give them all of that experience mm-hmm. so that they can come out of it being sort of a well-rounded electrician. Yes. And really what we're doing is a small section of that mm-hmm. um, it's worked well I was going to say it's just come out of his time it's worked well for him but we, we are conscious of it so with the new uh, apprentices that we're bringing we're trying to think of how we can ensure we give them the full breadth of knowledge rather than just um, just the electric, electric vehicle side of things being purely selfish we'd much rather take a third year electrician who's got all of that and yeah. then we can give them that specialism yes. at the end but that's unfair both to the company and the individual who've, who've given him the other two years, you know. Mm. So, so how, how do you feel about the twenty thirty uh, deadline that everybody talks about regarding uh, petrol and diesel? I imagine it'll still move. Being honest, mm. two years ago I would have said no chance, but it's a phenomenal change in the last couple of years, and a lot of people that would, would previously not would have said, oh, no, "I'm not, never going to have an electric vehicle," are moving to electric vehicles. The, the the range anxiety is which is something that's out there is is dropping so the batteries are getting better on the cars the the uh, network itself is growing you know uh, we there are we, we have 40 perhaps projects 
uh, we know of that are big projects that are coming up so the, the, the it is growing is the network now mm. so I think more and more people are getting a little bit more comfortable with it that said I've still only got a hybrid so uh, my next car will be an electric but, but because I've been waiting for a 300 mile plus range uh, engine yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's as that industry progresses and improves and, and the technology gets better, isn't it? People will have that, that yeah. confidence and that's when we're going to move quite quickly to that target, Absolutely. isn't it? And more and more people are, uh, are charging at home and charging overnight, so that's become a, an affordable way of charging your vehicle. Go back two years before we had the energy crisis, I would have said to you it's, it's a quarter of a cost to fill a, uh, to run an electric vehicle significantly more expensive to buy the electric, ve- electric vehicle in the first place, but a lot cheaper to run. When we've had the run on electricity over the last couple of years, that had almost gone. You know, the difference between the two had yeah. almost gone. Energy's coming back down a bit. Thankfully, the, the charge point operators, that's your Teslas, Apple Green Electric, these people are at least fairly price sensitive. So as energy is dropping, they're dropping their prices. Um, so yeah, it, adoption is getting greater. There are more and more places. It's easy. It's never it's as uh, strange as that may sound. It's easy to do it. Tesla. If you drive a Tesla car, it tells you where you where you need to um, pull up and charge your car. It primes your battery for you, so that by the time you arrive on site, your battery tra- charges at an optimum speed. In theory, you can drive into a motorway services in a Tesla car with 20% battery, leave 15 minutes later with 80% battery. And then when you set off, the, the car will tell you where you next need to stop. So so 15 minutes is a coffee, and most people do a coffee, don't they? Most people yeah. will stop for a coffee, mm-hmm. a comfort break or something. Mm-hmm. And with the increased battery size, therefore these journeys, which were uh, probably, anybody who was doing over 100 miles would have said, I don't want an electric car now. These journeys are becoming more and more accessible to electric vehicles. And as that infrastructure improves and the charging points are there, from RV2's perspective, how do you see growth as a business? Because if if it's all in place, where do you go from there? I think that's not going to... I don't, I don't think that will be fully in place probably till 2040, something right. around about so that time. so we've got a that, long way to go. There's a long way to go, yeah. Mm. Um, one of the... Cla- so... Uh, one of the clients who put in a uh, thousand stalls in eight years wants to double that in two years. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's for the short to medium term, there's a hell of a lot of growth still in in the network, and then of course technology changes and technology uh, advances, and so the charging points that were put in five years ago, firstly, are probably not compliant because uh, they're not smart chargers, which allows them to have a. a, a uh, card on them to you know, payment. payment terminal yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so they're being swapped out as well and so with everything it will still come around that every 5 or 10 years they will need to renew the technology and hopefully we're there for them to, to do that Sorry to interrupt your podcast but is your business in desperate need of a lick of paint? An out of date website branding that just isn't a true representation of your business? Looking for fresh new video content, animation, live streaming, a new podcast, and content that will grab people's attention and drive eyeballs to your brand. Starter Media can help. Get in touch today, www.stardermedia.co.uk. Right, back to the podcast. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? And we're going from a, a business that's looking very much into the future and and supporting us as consumers as, as we move into these changing times in, into more sustainable times. We then go right across to Nostal, which is, I mean, where does history take us with Nostal? Where do we go back to? Just just give us a little bit of a history lesson. Oh, it goes back a long, long way. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Lord St. Oswald's ancestors. Uh, so it would go back as far as Elizabeth I. Wow. Uh, and uh, I I understand that the uh, the connection there was a draper to uh, to Queen Elizabeth I. Right. Uh, and then uh, roll the clock forwards 14 generations and uh, you've uh, you've now got the current Lord St Oswald. Uh, so yeah, a, a, an awful lot of history. The um the estate at Nostal's been in the family for, for, for many centuries. And the uh, the priory, which is now National Trust, mm-hmm. you know, that was uh, built in the, uh, the, the mid-18th century uh, over various phases. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And that's a huge um, attraction to, uh, to our commercial tenants on the business park that... We've got this um, amazing facility right next door. Yeah. And uh, you can uh, just go for a, a, a walk at lunchtime or, or take one of the uh, the bikes and uh, you're instantly into uh, green countryside. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it, that we've got such heritage mm. right on our doorstep. Yeah. And I know when we did the We Are Wakefield event at Nostal Priory last year, I was absolutely amazed at the amount of people that have lived within the district all their lives, or for many, many years, and have never been to Nostal Priory. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, uh, yeah. Lots of people say that you know we we drive past the uh, the, the big wall and uh, you know don't know what's on the other side. Yes. So it is nice to uh, take people around for the first time, and you know lots of uh, people that come to look at office space are are local, and uh, yeah, it's a bit of an eye opener for them. Yeah. But, you know, I think lots of people do. Um, uh, travel to an attraction but don't necessarily see uh, what's on their doorstep and um, yeah and the people that do travel to the attraction nine out of ten times aren't aware that there's a business estate element to the estate as well which yeah. is where we're based that's right so so uh, when Lord St Oswald's family uh, gifted the uh, the house to uh, to the National Trust in the early 50s then, oh, was uh, it that long ago? I didn't realise yeah, it was that yeah, long ago. 1953. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the main estate stayed in uh, family ownership, and the uh, the the business park was was then an active um, farm, and uh, there's uh, photographs uh, on display that show you know cows and uh, piles of of muck uh, yeah. um, in the main estate yard. And uh, you know, obviously, the, uh, the 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 buildings are of huge uh, historic importance, and mm. um, the opportunity to uh, to to move the cows out and redevelop the uh, the estate yard is has been absolutely fantastic, and quite quite a bold um, decision for Lord St Oswald to make uh, twenty or so years ago, and there weren't uh, many businesses 
doing uh, those sort of conversions at, at that time and it's become more and more popular now and you know pe people want uh, quality office space and uh, a, a nice place to, to work and uh, and thrive and we we've been very fortunate to pick up um, businesses both from people moving out of you know um, working from home you know small bedrooms into big PLCs that have moved out of the uh, the, the cities and and come to work at Nostal so you know we're in a quite a fortunate uh, sweet spot yes where we can attract both big and uh, small people uh, businesses to uh, to the business park and, and being a tenant at, at Nostal as, as we are at We Are Wakefield, I've seen the shift now and the decisions you're making that really interest me about opening opportunities to smaller businesses and becoming kind of a, a nursery for the smaller business and then seeing those businesses progress through into biggest, yeah. bigger office spaces <clears throat> on the estate, which is it is interesting Amazing. The, the, the way that uh, businesses evolve and, you know, the story behind every business. Yes. It, they're all different. And, mm. uh, it, we, you know, we uh, like to um, see a, a business grow and, and stay with us over many, many years. And, you know, we've, we've got um, people that have been with us for, for, for many years and, you know, some that are, are just joining us for the first time. Uh, you know this this month, so mm. there's a, a a continuous uh, you know flow of of, uh, of businesses, and it's about matching their needs and listening to what what different businesses need. So, in answer to your question, the the gap that we had was really the smaller bus um, businesses that need smaller space. So uh, we've uh, just split one large office into sm four smaller spaces. And the benefit there is uh, that's four businesses that then hopefully grow and then move into, uh, into bigger space in the future. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a bit like a football team. So that's our sort of little nursery. Yeah. Um, uh, so we're the under eights. Aren't uh, we? We're, we're the under eights progressing up to the seniors gradually. Uh, yeah, ambitious eights. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the ambitious eights. I like that. It's good, isn't it? It's appropriate. So, I mean, having such a historical site and historical buildings, even though there are some more modern buildings buildings within the estate that, that were built, what, 20-odd years yeah, ago? yeah. The challenges now from the sustainability perspective that we've, we've spoke about with Tony, where RV2 are hopefully leading the way in, in, in ways that we can become more sustainable. I know that you've worked together yeah. as businesses um, regarding the EV charging points at Nostal. What are the challenges with buildings like that and, and in that environment to become more sustainable? What are the barriers that you face particularly? Okay, so the the business park is within the curtilage of Nostal Priory, which is Grade One listed. Yeah. So all of the uh, offices are are listed uh, by by that nature. We've also got two that are um, uh, scheduled ancient monuments, so they're connected with the original monastery. So you know we've we've got 
uh, for all for a very good reason we're quite restricted on what what we can do uh, the idea of putting uh, solar panels on the roofs to uh, to generate um, electricity would you know would be a great but um, it's it's unfortunately a non-starter so we have to look at other ways so um, the uh, the opportunity to put solar panels on on other commercial buildings is uh, something that the estate have been very keen to uh, to look at uh, the uh, Yorkshire air ambulance are uh, one of our uh, tenants mm-hmm. and uh, their nostal uh, um, office and um, uh, helicopter uh, pad is is all um, covered with uh, solar panels. Yeah, uh, we've also just uh, finished constructing a five thousand ton uh, grain store at Nostal, and uh, that's been um, covered with uh, uh, five hundred ninety uh, solar panels. So uh, you know we're trying to do what we can to put um, green electric back into the grid. Yeah. Or, or use use it where we can. Uh, I mean, we've, we've uh, Tony and I have worked together with um, uh, uh, renewing the electric charging points at Nostal, and uh, you know that's been been a really good project. And you know, just trying to keep uh, up to, up to speed with technology and put in uh, chargers that are flexible for people to use. Uh, is has been uh, you know been been really good. Mm, yeah. So what would you say have been the the major achievements for both businesses? So Tony Avi to Power, looking at, at what you've achieved over recent years and since you've become part of the business, what what were the standouts for you? Uh, and I guess the the nature of the clients, the size of the clients, and retaining those clients along that time. T- two years ago, Dean was operating out of his. Out of an office in his house. Yeah, um, I mean, Tesla's <clears throat> massive, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah, it is a, it is a, I think a client that most people would want. Absolutely. You know? um, so from from Dean's perspective, b- building the company up to uh, being what it was two years ago is a is a phenomenal achievement. And then uh, since then, we've uh, doubled our turnover in the in two years. We've moved into a premises that we're now moving out of. So we moved into 2,000 square feet of uh, office and warehouse combination. And then in two months, we move out into 11,000 square feet of office and warehouse. And Dean will will tell you he's never advertised. We've never advertised anything that we do. It walks through the door. The business walks through the door because the industry is growing so much and, and... Dean has built a company with a great reputation. Um, so it, these companies keep coming back to us and saying, can you help us with this? Can you help us with that? And we, we, that's the kind of company that we want to be. We want to be uh, seen to be helpful for, for our uh, clients. So we're looking at you know storing things for people. That's what we're doing, maintenance for these companies now. We're just expanding the, the, the things that we do for them. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think so. We've now got eleven, twelve direct employees. Now thirteen, because another one's joining us. So thirteen direct employees from one two years ago. We're trying to bring more and more onto the books. We're trying to grow sustainably. Um, 
but also at a pace that the that the industry needs us to grow at as well, really. Mm. So that's a success and a challenge in itself. It is both, it? yeah, absolutely. Yes. Because yeah. I mean, that's where most companies tend to fail, isn't it? Yes. Growing too quickly, mm. uh, and then suddenly turning around and realizing I, I can no longer support this. When if the, if one company no longer you no longer get the business for them. So trying to balance that out is, is is fairly difficult, particularly when the clients want you actually to take on more and more uh, every day. Yeah. Uh, but that's a nice challenge to have, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's a good it, place to be. Yeah, exactly. The challenge of how do we grow ra- rather than the challenge of how do we keep going uh, is much more interesting. It is. It is. It's a great journey to be on. And we're gearing up for the Wakefield Business Awards again um, in November. The categories are out, the entries are coming in, and quite rightly so. On, and you've just described how you became winners last year of the Business Growth Success Story Award. And I've got to be honest, I'd never heard of RV2 Power and I don't don't think RV2 Power had really come across We Are Wakefield no. before. No, no. But as, as it's open to any Wakefield business, you thankfully became part of the Business Awards journey, went away as winners. And then we had a meeting in January this year yeah. and you came straight on board as We Are Wakefield ambassadors. So what was behind that decision? What What prompted you to become part of this community? I, I, I bore everybody when I talked to them at We Are Wakefield things about having been to um, networking events. I don't really see this as a networking thing. And I know that's really its express purpose. I love that you say that, though, because that's how I talk about it. And I know when we initially spoke, you are the most unnetworking person oh, yeah, yeah. ever. I, 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 Reluctant I, networker. I, I'm not a, I don't like to shout about it the things we do neither do you know for me uh, relationships just build over time rather than a forced yeah uh, and i found any networking event i've ever been to before was was very very forced uh, almost scientology but you know to, right. to, in that degree of well you stand up now and tell us what you've done in the last month and People people make things up just to, to sound like they're doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, you get told off when you haven't done your homework sort of thing. Right, it's, it's, pressure. Yeah, there was mm. nothing nice about it. Whereas uh, I haven't really met in, in in the sort of six, eight months that I've been coming, I don't think I've met many people who are trying to push their services on me. Mm. It's just nice people trying to do good things for other people in Wakefield. Yeah. And then when you look at, uh, it's not just accountants and legal firms and that sort of thing you've, you've got um sort of uh, cultural establishments uh, as part of it you've got the sporting you know wakefield, wakefield trinity and cast tigers all a part of this and featherstone rovers now by are the way brilliant. yes they are brilliant. we've got the three we've got the trilogy that's fantastic so yeah. so all of the good things about wakefield and wakefield does get knocked and i probably knock it quite a bit myself a lot of the good things that are in Wakefield, like the Hepworth and Yorkshire Sculpture Park, and you talk mm. about it, Peter, the things that people don't visit because they're on your doorstep. Mm. Um, well, they're all in there, and and so you're not. It, there's not just the feeling of you doing something to try to win business. It's you doing something to try and help somebody else out who's doing something for the people of Wakefield. 
So that for me is... I love that. You have to be a part of it. Thank you for that, because that warms my heart to hear you say that. And it's 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 mission accomplished for me. Um, and I'm, I'm going to indulge even more now and speak to you, Peter, because you're on the board of We Are Wakefield. So you Nostal Estate joined quite quickly after I became part of We Are Wakefield. We had a conversation about it and you were very up for being involved, very enthusiastic about it. And, and shortly after that, became a board member of We Are Wakefield um, and we're based there. Um, so what has it meant for Nostal well, and for you? Yeah, it's interesting to hear how Tony described it just then because I, I think that resonates very well with, with how I see it. It does, it does feel very natural and, um, you know, there's a lot of energy in the room and you can go in there and have... Um, you know, uh, conversations with lots of different people and, and uh, you know, those uh, contacts then just, you know, stay at the back of your mind. And, and when you need something, it's it's always, you know, great to uh, draw on your We Are Wakefield contact list. Yeah. And the estate have done that on many occasions. And, you know, it's quite uh, abstract and quite varied, some of the, the things that, that we've... Um, um, uh, needed and, and made contact with, but it, it definitely um, it's definitely helped our our business. Uh, the flip side of that is also being able to um, talk to local people about what we're trying to do at Nostal and the you know the uh, sort of trying to educate um, uh, different businesses with the, the opportunities that, that that we can bring and. The flexibility that we're um, we're able to offer is, you know, something that is is really appealing, and you know, as a result of um, all of that, we're now 100% occupied, and we've we've got um, people on the waiting list, and you know, there's there's a, a real buzz around Nostal, which is uh, very similar to a the buzz in the room at, at the at the the uh, the, the monthly uh, get-togethers. So. Yeah, 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 um, and I feel that as well, but I, I wasn't sure that everyone else did if it was a, just a me thing, but it's great that I think people do. Yeah. And I think that people translate the We Are Wakefield and the Nostal feeling. I think it is very similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, so coming over to you again, again, Peter, about the successes and the challenges, because we, yeah. we've spoken to Tony about that for RV2. What would you say are the... The standouts for you with with Nostal in in your time there. Uh, okay, so uh, I left uh, the accountancy firm and joined Nostal uh, at the start of April 2020. So uh, seven days after the lockdown started. Wow. So I went uh, straight into a sort of emergency mode, yes. trying to uh, talk to all of the businesses that were uh, tenants at Nostal uh, to offer them help and support and to communicate with them. So we, um, we, we sent out you know, weekly emails to everybody, um, telephoned people to try and um, you know, uh, gauge how they were feeling. And uh, it was incredible how resilient those owner-managed businesses were and you know, some some were hugely affected, and some actually benefited, and it was really trying to make sure that we supported as many people as we could. 
Um, getting the the right people in the team is is a challenge for all businesses, and I'm incredibly fortunate to work with an amazing team, and uh, you know that is all part of um, you know building our business, and you know the maintenance guys uh, are great at looking after everybody's needs and. Uh, uh, Gail and uh, Haley and you know everybody in in our small team, uh, you know, make a valuable contribution. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, lo- lots lots of great things. Lots lots of challenges. We we have to listen to what uh, our commercial tenants need, and you know, very um, uh, you know, v- very often things that come up in. Um, discussions get uh, get adopted and car chargers um, uh, bikes free bikes to jump on and and go for a cycle all of those things have happened as the result of conversations with uh, tenants and feedback from tenants so you attribute your success really I mean a massive part of that is just good communication isn't it listening and and speaking to, to your tenants uh, yeah, I mean, we we try to uh, have uh, regular um, meetings, uh, you know, probably once every couple of months. Um, we we do social events with with our tenants as well. But um, yeah, it's it's um, having good communication, you know, both both ways really. Mm. I think another great thing, a great comparison that we can have between the two businesses as well is this this uh, investing in younger members of staff as well apprenticeships both um invested in apprentices yep. and you're both looking at how you future proof the business from a, a staffing perspective so is, is that something that's important to you at nostal as well yeah i mean we um as as the business grew our existing maintenance team were um more and more stretched so it was about trying to put in extra support for them and the apprenticeship route has worked really well for us. And uh, a, a lot of the um, uh, the team uh, have been with Nostal for, for years. We've, we've got uh, four that have done their sort of 25 years plus. And, and you know, that's, it, that's an achievement in itself these know, days, isn't it? A- absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And, um, you know, just trying to keep uh, the, um, you know, the succession um, planning yeah. Uh, in in the back of your mind and make sure that you've got uh, people coming along uh, to to replace uh, people as they retire is 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 also key. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's a, it's a massive part of, of of a business's future, isn't it? So talking about the successes and the standout moments for you, we like I said, we're gearing towards the business awards again. Peter, you're going to be a judge for the second year. Oh. Thank you. Yeah, no, and I know enjoyable. that you really enjoyed that. So tell us about your experience as a judge. Well, I mean, I I do enjoy hearing about other businesses and you know getting sort of in, into the detail and and hearing about you know why why they're successful, and the the judging was a real opportunity to sort of you know look look at, you know fairly at a fairly deep level in into uh, into the businesses. Um, and sort of hear their story and again every business is different and and their um, 
you know their history is unique to them so it it was it was really good to sort of get um you know contact with people that I wouldn't necessarily you know that aren't on my agricultural radar yeah so, yeah uh, yeah I, I enjoyed that I think the um I really enjoyed the 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 clinical fair way that it was laid out as well mm. and uh, yeah you did a great job with um Louise Turner's help as well yes. to put a template together that was totally fair mm-hmm. and um you know if there was ever a, a need for anybody to challenge a decision you could go right back in the granularity and say right well you know this this is why you scored well on this part and this is why somebody scored better so you know it was it was very fair very honest yeah very robust and we're very proud of that actually mm. um yeah so i mean i'm not going to ask if you're entering again tony that's that's for you to know <laughs> i'll keep my eyes peeled for the entries that are coming in but celebrating successes i mean obviously you see that as in is important as a business as well and 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 the the accolades that brings i know that you're very very modest man and you're not one to shout and scream about successes but obviously winning these accolades and local ones is quite important as a business isn't it it is yeah it wasn't for me at the time mm. it, it was just something we, we, we back then we're probably just thinking about how do we get known a little bit more profile and, raising yeah just yeah. A little, yeah just a little bit and and you you must have come up on Dean's LinkedIn. Uh, he sent it to me and said, "Can you send something in for this?" But subsequent to winning, it's meant a lot more. But Peter's just explained there. We we can go to an awards night and everybody who goes there who wins is paid, yeah, f- some way towards winning that. Mm. Just backslapping mm. corporate events. Mm. This wasn't. This was something that actually you who had organised it had didn't have the say in who wins it. It's Absolutely a, it's, it's not. a separate team. Mm. Uh, and and then when you so having one it was was nice it's uh, I guess it, in, in some ways it says you're doing the right things doesn't it we've we've gone from one man in his in an office at home to, to, to sort of less than fifteen people but we're doing the right things because somebody said actually what you're doing is is uh, how, I guess how we should behave and when you're a fairly young company that's trying to grow. You don't really know what all your next steps are and whether mm. they're going to be correct or not, do you? So absolutely, we're all winging it to an extent, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, you absolutely. Yeah, it's a learning curve running a business. I mean, I've been on that journey full circle from start, middle, and end, and then you know come into a, a very different industry and and seen sort of. I kind of step back sometimes. I'm in awe of mm. of 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 you guys that are running these businesses because you're doing such an amazing job. But we are all learning as we go, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, there's no right and wrong way there. I, I think one of the other things that, that we've really focused on as well was was about profile and brand. Yes, and, you know, so Nost- important. Nostal Estate has got an amazing brand and it was just trying to bring it all together. And, um, you know, we, we've got... Uh, great marketing support from another We Are Wakefield member, Field Creative. Yes. And uh, trying to, um, you know, use use the brand wherever possible. So the example I would use w- would be the, the, the old reception area was, um, you know, quite traditional before. And what I've tried to do when we relocated into the uh, real wall garden was give it a bit more of a sort of corporate um, hotel reception type experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that 
that is all about you know um, promoting the brand and getting brand recognition and which is increasingly more important so i mean yeah the marketing side of things the branding the awards side of it i think what i like about ours is is the the local feel of it and all the judges are local business people yeah, yeah, yeah. who really want people to succeed and that's the idea of these and I'm, I'm very grateful that you both have been part of that that journey for me as well um and are you going to say that the uh, awards this year are going to be bigger and better than oh ever of course they are i mean you know we we year one um last year that was a we talk about learning curves my goodness that was a massive learning curve for me i'd never organized anything like that before um grateful for the support of louise turner who is um founder of wordsmiths and awards writers so her she's very involved in the industry of, of, of the awards writing process um which is a massive industry in itself and she loaned me her expertise in that field and we developed what I thought was an exceptional first event Definitely. and uh, with a very robust fair process that I am very proud of we gained the uh, Trustmark accreditation last year because like I said this is an industry in itself and um, this year we're going for the outstanding accreditation because we have a track record now that they can look back on and make sure that the process is robust and fair. The venue is twice the size it was last year because we could not meet demand. I'm hoping we still keep that amazing atmosphere that we had there last year, that community atmosphere. Um, but we're at Tileyard North, which is a beautiful creative industries hub in itself and has loaned itself to be an amazing new venue in Wakefield, which is what we needed. So yes, it is going to be bigger and better than before and uh, we'll keep growing on it. And uh, yes, I'm excited for this year. Christine Talbot hosting again. Mm, so if you're listening to the podcast now and you're involved, because I think by the time you hear this, the entries will have closed. The judging process will have begun and we'll be heading towards the event itself. So it's very exciting for me and, and everyone involved. Well done, Claire. But thank you for your part in it. Now, we end the We Are Wakefield podcast on every episode now asking for your top tip for 23. So who wants to go first with this one? I'll come to you, Peter. So what's your top tip for 23? So, so the, the feedback we get from so many people at the business park is about our green space and and uh, our support support for mental well-being yes, and uh, you know that's that's a really big draw but also I would say that the we're very supportive of people bringing uh, dogs to work and I'm not sure what the exact percentage is but it's probably between 40 and 50 percent of the offices have got uh, dogs they uh, have and the other 40 or 50 percent want dogs <laughs> me included <laughs> um, so uh i'm very fortunate to be able to bring uh, my dog to work yes and he, the lovely leo the leo so yeah uh, wirehead visitor yes and he he's a great company and uh, puts a smile on everybody's face uh, but 
I would say the days that I bring the dog uh, Leo to to work, my product, productivity goes up. Right, that's uh, interesting. Because I uh, arrive at work and uh, take Leo for a walk uh, before I start work, and that prepares me for the day. At lunchtime, where you know historically I would just um, work through and eat my sandwiches whilst typing and not really stop. I have to physically get up and you know go for a, a twenty or thirty minute walk, mm-hmm. and then I come back refreshed. Yeah. So my top tip is, um, you know, take your dog to work, and if you can't, if you haven't got a dog, borrow a dog. I'll be there tomorrow, <laughs> expecting leading hand. I will be, and I'll bring two dogs. You can have as well. <laughs> Absolutely, anytime. So what's I, your I, I, top? Well, that's an amazing. It is, and, I, it and is. I, I absolutely. Um, support it because we as a as an industry uh, we have a lot of a lot of our work is not local mm. and a lot of our guys and it is guys generally yeah. are leaving home at six o'clock on a monday morning getting home at six o'clock on a friday night and so we've really tried this year to look at the mental health side of things as well because um, ultimately they're just in a hotel you don't, there's not much to do on a night other than drink and eat bad food and and can i say as well you touched on this yourself earlier in the conversation that you've had your struggles oh, yeah, with that absolutely. over the years yeah, as well yeah 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 it's something i mean my my dad was a policeman he he has this a similar issue to me basically depression and mild anxiety i mm-hmm. guess um and i watched him from being a, fairly high up in the police to getting up one day he uh, just burst into tears and never went back to work after 27 years in the police force. And I thought, that's not going to happen to me. Yeah. Um, but probably arrogantly said that and didn't really do a great deal to, to prevent it from happening. And then when I was at Pets at Home, one Christmas, it was a Christmas holiday, and I, the first week I, I slept like a baby, and the second week I didn't sleep at all. And I realised it was going back to work that was stopping me from... from uh, uh, from sleeping I talked to Kirsty and I said I feel a bit depressed I think she said I think you are she'd noticed it so I went and got some uh, I went to see the doctor uh, and ultimately um, got some help bit of cognitive behavioural therapy I'll never keep quiet about it it's not something I'm ashamed of we can't help how we're wired is how I see it and isn't it a great thing that we don't feel we have to keep quiet about it now and yeah, that I people think so. are absolutely. talking more about it especially men I've yeah. got to say yeah absolutely yeah. And, and there's the amount of people that are, my friends and people that suffer with it, it to varying degrees, varying levels, it, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a yeah. fairly big percentage of people. Um, so it's something that's in my mind. I'm not going to pretend that my mental health is amazing and that it's all in the past because it, that's that's the nature of it, what it is, yeah. really. It comes back and gets you. You can spot your triggers. You can spot the things that, that are going to send you spiralling. You can also go back to the things that help you to to be back on track again but because of that uh, and because we're conscious we've got quite a, you know we've got some young lads as well that work with us we'd, it's really simple things like now that we're putting them in hotels we're trying to put them in a hotel with a gym and a pool so they've got an alternative thing to do on an evening yeah uh, a few of us have become uh, mental health first aiders as well within work and that's something that we're going to hopefully put everybody through Again, they've got their own spirit out on site. There might be three or four of them on each individual site and they need to look after each other as well. They need to have the tools to be able to look after each Mm -hmm. other. So that's, you know, I would absolutely echo what you're saying in terms of 
uh, if you can, if there's anything you can do, look after your people. Mm. Look after your people, and, when, and really look after them mentally first, because it's hard to get that back. Yeah. You know, it's easy to reward somebody financially a bit further down the line when you can do, but the mental health side of things is really, really important. Amazing tips, um, amazing conversation. So Tony Simmons, RV2 Power, and Peter Molyneux, Hostel State, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us. The We Are Wakefield podcast was produced by Starder Media, proud We Are Wakefield community members. Starder Media is a content production house based in Wakefield, West Yorkshire, with over a decade of experience creating video, animation, live streaming, podcasting, graphic design, and so much more for clients of all sizes across the UK. Starder Media, creating content to wow your audience.